Hi, folks. On this episode of the Plug in America show, I chat with Plug in America's policy director, Catherine Stankin, and we discuss EV fuel tax registration surcharges as well as vehicle miles traveled programs being tested and implemented by state lawmakers. Revenues for road maintenance and construction have been in steep decline over the past decade due to a growing number of fuel-efficient and electric vehicles on the road. Given that few lawmakers are interested in raising gasoline taxes, they are now exploring ways to generate funds through new registration fees. But first, please consider signing up for the Plug in America newsletter. It's free or joining or donating to us by visiting pluginamerica.org today. And we appreciate your kind support. Also, please be sure to visit pluginamerica.org and click the Press Room and Plug in America show tabs for the show notes and links to this episode. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another Plug in America show. I'm your host, Bob Tregillis. Joining me today is Plug in America's policy director, Catherine Stankin. Previously, Catherine was director of government affairs at SIA, the Solar Energy Industries Association, and she holds a master's degree in global environmental policy from American University. Welcome to the Plug in America show, Catherine. Thanks, Bob. It's a pleasure to be here. And welcome to Plug in America. I guess, how long have you been with us? About, what, almost a year now, huh? Yeah, July will be my uh, year anniversary, but it's been fast moving and um, it's exciting work and there's so much going on in the EV world, so never a dull moment. (laughs) It's really been picking up in the last couple of months, last 100 days or so, right? (laughs) Yeah, that's for sure. Actually, since uh, January, when the legislative sessions have started in Mm -hmm. in all the states, um, so much going on like here in Nevada, which I'll be talking about in just a minute to introduce our topic, which is uh, EV and fuel-efficient registration fees that that are getting introduced in various legislatures around the country. Anyway, here, just for an example, was actually kind of a really way-off-the-wall type example, was here in Nevada, our legislature uh, started this year, and it's a biennial every other year, and it's a 120-day uh, term, but one of the bills that got introduced uh, would have placed a flat fuel tax surcharge, is what I kind of referred to it as, of three hundred and thirty-six dollars on annual EV registrations and a hundred and sixty-eight dollar surcharge on gas hybrid vehicle registrations, like the standard Prius, and it would have included EV motorcycles as well, but excluded mopeds. Uh, fortunately, that bill never got a hearing in its committee and thus died because uh, last Friday because it missed the deadline for bills to pass out a committee here. So, Catherine, what is Plug in America's position on enhanced registration fees to cover road construction and maintenance since EVers purchase little or no gas? Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks, Bob. This is a, a great topic to be discussing um, because we have, as you mentioned, you know, we've been seeing so many states introduce these really punitive um, fees on EVs for no reason um, really whatsoever when it's that high, especially, you know, as you mentioned in Nevada for some $360 fee when the percentage of EVs on the road in Nevada is is really very tiny. Um, So Plug in America, we have a couple different principles that we think that all states should um, abide by when they're looking at registration and and licensing policies for EVs, so for battery electric and for the plug-in hybrid. Um, First of all, two very basic ones, really, 
And these are so simple, they kind of go without saying, but, you know, we'll just mention them quickly. Uh, one that obviously all EVs should register with the appropriate state Department of Motor Vehicles. Um, you know, they're using the same roads and should abide by the same other motorist laws. Um, so that's one. The other one is that the battery electric vehicles should be exempt from emissions testing um, if it's required in that state. So, you know, two very easy ones that obviously you know, go without saying. Obviously, there's no tailpipe. <laughs> um, the next thing, though, is, you know, because we're trying to move this technology further and move away from just the early adopters um, and move into a mass market technology, we believe very strongly that to encourage quicker adoption of these vehicles, that they should, sh- shouldn't be required to pay any registration fees or taxes until there's a certain threshold of EVs on the road. So it's kind of, if you think about it, it's kind of odd on the one hand if you're trying to incentivize the purchase of these vehicles, but then also penalize the driver by these these hefty, hefty fees. Right. Like here, for example, the bill that was introduced in Nevada here, one of our uh, local electric auto association uh, members, he did some work on it and did a little spreadsheet and a graph and things. And he saw that a Ford Explorer driver would be paying less in in, mm-hmm. in gas taxes over an you know over one year for the same amount of miles driven as an EVer would under one of these uh, uh, surcharges. So, what 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 is this threshold that we're talking about of of EVs on the road? And then plus, you know, right now we're way less than one. I mean, EVs are about one percent of. Uh, vehicle sales, new vehicle sales right now, but we're still way less than 1% of, of vehicles on the on the road mm-hmm. nationwide. Yeah, so I think that um, for every state, it'll be a little bit different, whatever that threshold might be. But I think nationwide, you know, until we see 5 to 10% of the total light duty vehicle fleet be EVs, um, you know, that that's kind of a good number where you're moving away from early adopters and you're, you're moving into that mass market threshold there. So then it becomes appropriate to kind of reevaluate how many EVs are on the road and look at this appropriate registration um, or licensing fee. Um, you also raised the point about extra fees that the, um, that the hybrid owner might be paying versus the ICE owner. So, you know, the EVs are already paying taxes through electricity charges. Um, those are usually local and state taxes. It goes towards firefighters. It goes towards um, infrastructure, that kind of thing. So by requiring, especially that the plug-in hybrid hybrid drivers uh, pay this extra registration fee, that's that's really a double tax. Right. Well, and but then you know, saying that the electricity, you know, you're paying taxes there. Here in Nevada, I don't know how it is in other uh, states, but in it's in a, embedded into our constitution that uh, gas taxes have to be used exclusively for road building and road maintenance, and that is the only source of, of funds for those activities mm-hmm. here in Nevada. So if the EV driver's paying the electricity fees, that's not going to the road maintenance. How, mm-hmm. how would that be addressed? Yeah, so that's, that's a good point that you're bringing up there. Um, and I think that that's the argument that some uh, policymakers are, are coming forward with, is that really, well, these EVs are on the road too, so they should pay their fair share of um, you know road usage fees, or and mostly that's accomplished then through this licensing or registration fee. Um, and I certainly think that you know we should pay our fair share too. I think that this can be done in a lot of different ways, though, that don't seem so punitive just for the electric vehicle drivers. So um, 
really, I mean, the, and this is the whole crux of the problem, right, is that the states are, are losing revenue from the gas taxes because the entire vehicle fleet is becoming more efficient. Um, and for a lot of states, the, uh, the gas tax hasn't been indexed to inflation. And so it's been stuck at this rate that's, you know, decades old. And so as you see more Priuses on the road or as you see more, I don't even know, <laughs> just general <laughs> compact cars on the road, you know, these, these vehicles, they used to get uh, 18 miles per gallon. And now a new car coming on the road that's you know, not EV is seeing 36 miles per gallon on average. Right. So, you know, that's a huge loss of revenue to the state. And so that's really what the state needs to address and not punish small percentage of the pie um, you know, Nevada, there's probably, what, 3,000 vehicles on the road or something. And, you know, as you mentioned, nationwide, we've got about 1%. So there are certain types of policies that you can look at. And we're in favor of the vehicle miles traveled policy uh, because you can do that in a way that incentivizes the, the purchase of an EV and still incentivizes these electric miles traveled versus the gas miles traveled. Yeah, so why, why don't you explain the vehicle miles traveled a little more? I know Oregon did some early preliminary work with that. I think they were using it some kind of a GPS system, which raises privacy issue uh, issues. Um, and then California has a pilot program going on now. So why don't you talk, you know, define mm-hmm. that and talk about it a little more? Right. So, so there are actually, I think it's 14 or 15 states that are doing work around road usage charges and trying to understand what would be the best policy to use. Is vehicle miles traveled the best or not? And you can go to, um, it's Road Usage Charge West, or it's Ruck West, and you can see all the states that are uh, a part of this effort. Um, some surprising ones, even Oklahoma is a part of this. Uh, and the states that are doing pilots are California, Oregon, Washington. Um, there might be one or two others in there. California and Washington's are active right now. And this should help us understand, you know, are these types of policies easy for drivers to understand? Is it easy for the uh, administrators to you know, deal with the data and to collect the fee, that kind of thing? Uh, I think that people like to really make vehicle miles traveled complicated, and it doesn't you know, really have to be. Um, essentially, you know, you're just taxed uh, based on how many miles you're traveling. And if you're driving, you know, we believe if you're driving an electric mile, you should not be taxed as much as if you're driving um, a gas mile. And then for heavy vehicles that are over 10,000 pounds, um, so the medium and, and heavy-duty vehicles, you should take into account the weight, too, because, you know, obviously that's impacting the roads um, a little bit more and, and tearing up the, the roads a little bit with that. So then uh, vehicle miles traveled should be a formula that includes both vehicle weight as well as miles traveled. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and I mean, you could... The California study I know is looking at a bunch of different ways to collect the data uh, and the the driver can choose how they want their data, uh, their vehicle miles traveled collected. Uh, One way is with the GPS. One way is just um, checking in with the DMV, I think, and the DMV will then write down the miles in the odometer. So, you know, every year you have to go and register your vehicle or maybe that changes to every few years or something. But regardless, the miles in the odometer can be recorded in an easy way. Um, that won't require any other new, you know, technology. But um, I like to think of this too. If we think about the smart meter world and the utility meters on every building, you know, we used to have the meter man walk around and record the kilowatts consumed over, you know, a certain time period. Uh, but we don't really see that anymore. We have smart meters now that's all done electronically. 
So as vehicle telematics get better, as new technology is developed, um, you know, what some people think might be a burden today with the VMT policy might not be such a burden in, uh, in a year or even two or three years. Right. Well, we're all becoming much more accustomed to evasive technologies that are checking where <laughs> we're at and our phones. I mean, I just recently had to use PayPal here on my phone to take some credit card purchases at a, at a booth I was doing. And it's like I had to open my phone wide up and it's like everybody in the world knew exactly where I was at. So yeah. you know, there's no yeah. privacy almost. So maybe that is a moot issue uh, going forward. So let's go back a little bit and talk more about the actual, well, I, I mean, th- this is a, definitely a VMT thing would be a more equitable solution. Has any state actually, impl- are, they're all pilot programs right now. Is that right? That is true. I think that Oregon is is moving in that direction very soon. Um, but actually, New Zealand is the only country that has switched to a full VMT. Oh. And that was only recently, too. So I, I think it's a little bit too soon to see how well the policy is working or you know what the difference would be between the gas tax and the VMT. Um, but I'm, I'm sure we'll see reports soon. So then they've totally gotten rid of the regis- the flat registration fee, or maybe they have a little minor flat fee, but then do the VMT as an adder in New Zealand? Correct, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, I mean, that definitely seems like a much more equitable way of dealing with it. Because as we know, with EVs, we have the externalities that we should be considering, which is embedded into the Plug in America policy here. We all know about climate change and greenhouse gas emissions, and that's important and why we're all supporting EVs. But there's also the local air quality concerns as well as uh, noise pollution concerns um, that are benefits. Yeah, that's interesting you bring that up because Vermont, actually, the legislature in Vermont, I think, has wanted to impose a fee on EVs three times now in the past you know, five to seven years or something. And just recently they completed a study, um, this was finished in the fall of 2016, that, and the conclusion they came to is that until uh, EVs reach 15% of vehicle sales or, or registrations in Vermont, then they should not be required to pay any hefty registration or licensing fee. And they, they cited the reasons of um, exactly the ones you mentioned, the clean air benefits, the health benefits, the impact to the local Vermont economy, you know, et cetera. And, and all of those extra benefits that EVs provide that aren't necessarily taken into account when, when some policies are made. So, Right. And well, and then there's also the fuel, too, because you're importing the fuels and that's uh, dollars leaving your state and uh, you lose those uh, local benefits. Well, cool. What else is going on? We might just kind of look at the overall landscape going forward, especially coming from the federal side. Uh, I didn't want to go into, I mean, we can touch upon the CAFE and the ZEV uh, mandate, the zero emissions vehicle mandate, a little bit. What are the pressures now? I mean, is anything actually solidifying as far as uh, pressures coming from, you know, Scott Pruitt, who's now in charge of the EPA, uh, and... uh, confrontation between them and California and the exemption. Have, can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I've heard so many uh, different things. And I guess that's, um, you know, the status quo with this administration is that you never necessarily know what might be coming down the pipe for you. Um, but I think that, you know, from the, I recently heard some automakers say that, you know, they their intention 
by asking the EPA to open up that final determination on the fuel economy standards was not because they want to roll them back, but they, they don't think that they're going to hit them in the time frame given, that, that 2022 to 2025. They'll hit them, you know, maybe in 2030, and they can surpass them, but they're asking for more time to achieve those targets. Um, you know, I personally don't, <laughs> I, I think they're more than, more than able to hit those targets on time. Um, but, you know, it, at least that's a little bit of a relief to know that the automakers weren't intending to go after the California waiver. Um, of course, that's what they, you know, what they have said. But if, who knows how the Trump administration might interpret that, and maybe they would choose to go after the California waiver on their own. Um, but then that just would create so much uncertainty and regulatory uncertainty, and, and nobody likes that. No business likes that. So I think better to continue with the way things are right now. And the CAFE standards, that applies to, well, the waiver bit that has 13, I was just reading that this this morning, is there's 13 states that follow along with California's waiver and then nine, which also have the uh, zero emissions vehicle uh, mandate that they've adopted. So anyway, well, we would love to see more of those more states uh, look to adopt California's vehicle standards and to participate in the ZEV program. So that's one thing that going forward, Plug in America um, will hopefully be active on, um, you know, encouraging more states to join the ZEV program. Right. Well, are there any other um, things that are going on that you see on the horizon as far as uh, incentive? I mean, are there incentive? What, what's the general pattern right now in all of the states with uh, EV incentives? Are they being rolled back or expanded or is it kind of a mix? Yeah, so there, that's a good question. Um, there was just an article I saw, I think it was in Bloomberg, that said, you know, that the future of EVs is in the balance and not that the car is going to go away, but just how soon will further adoption happen really? Because uh, with prices coming down, policymakers are, are trying to understand, well, why do we need these purchase incentives if all the other factors are aligned? You know, we've got VW money coming in for infrastructure and there's, you know, um, growing consumer awareness of the vehicles. But I, I think in the, at least in the next five years, you know, really until we get to 2025, I don't think how do I phrase this? <laughs> uh, I, I, we will always have our work cut out for us, um, you know. But I, I am optimistic that consumers will really see the, the benefits of the vehicles, and it, you know, they're fun to drive. They save you money. Um, they clean up the air. So you know, who wouldn't want to be a part of all that? You know, and once the policymakers start to drive these vehicles themselves too, I, I think that they'll see, you know, that there is support needed on the local, state, and federal level. Uh, to help push this market a little bit towards that mass adoption. So, you know, as, as you mentioned before, all the great benefits that EVs provide with national security and more jobs and in the manufacturing sector for the autos, but then also on the electricity side. I mean, you know, we're just tapping into the EV market now. So I think, um, you so, know, no policy will, will be perfect, but I think that you know, people people really looked at the EV market back in 2008 when, you know, renewable energy was big coming out to the scene, climate change was big, um, and then things kind of took a, a backseat for a couple of years there. But now that uh, we have the ZEV mandate and we have, you know, kind of a certainty going forward for the next couple of years, um, a new vehicle makes and models getting on board and the automakers have announced, you know, I think every single one of them has announced that they're coming up with a single EV or at least a whole line of EVs. Um, I think we're, we're really going to start to see things move in the market. 
Right. So have you, you briefly touched on utilities. What, are, what has been a, the utility sector's uh, interest in EVs? Is it starting to, are they starting to think, wow, these things are real and maybe this is a really good opportunity for mm-hmm. us? Yeah, I think that utilities are also starting to get on board. And again, I, I think a lot of utilities did look at EVs in 2008 and thought, you know, oh, we've got all this solar coming online. It's a distributed resource. How can we manage it? And looked to pair EVs with that. But the EV market wasn't really there yet and the vehicles weren't you know, fully there. Um, and so everything kind of just went on pause. But now all those utilities that took a look in 2008 are saying, oh, wait a second, this is you know, practically 10 years later, things are a lot different. Um, consumers are buying the cars, you know, and this could do a lot of great things for grid st- stabilization and all kinds of you know, vehicle to grid. Um, you know, that's coming forward too. Mm-hmm. So we're going to see more Finally. and more utilities. <laughs> come, yeah, more and more utilities come forward with EV programs beyond just kind of a pilot program. Yeah, I've been a big fan of E2G for many, many years when yeah. I discovered uh, Willett Kempton's work uh, way back in like 2007 or so. That's what some of the uh, the naysayers like to say, like, oh, well, you know, utilities had a pilot program back in 2009 and there were all these other state incentives and now it, that hasn't been refunded. But that that was, you know, we were just at the cusp of the next step here and now we're, we're at this next step and so we're about to take the next forward leap so i th- we really are going to start to see a, a lot more utilities uh putting forward ev programs and and I, I do think more supportive policies okay great well uh to wrap it up are there any other comments you'd want to make on the policy side of things is plug in america have got something there on the shelf that's maybe going to come off here real soon um, yes. Well, I would, I would like to emphasize to all the listeners that, you know, we are only as strong as our, as our drivers um, and that, you know, we've got more and more action alerts going out for you to take part in the policy work that we're doing. And so if you're not already signed up to receive um, our action alerts, please do so. You can go to pluginamerica.org and there should be a link there at the top to get signed up for those action alerts. Forward them to all your friends. Um, this is really, the policymakers listen to the people in their districts, their constituents. So um, as we gear up for the federal level work that we're doing, um, which is extending that federal tax credit of 7,500, um, well, defending it first of all, and then trying to extend it, you know, we're really going to need all hands on deck for um, the Plug in America staff, um, long long-term EV drivers, and then even potential new candidates for uh, an EV. So, Right. Well, and as we know, the administration is now currently in Congress is looking at rewriting the tax code and just doing a really major revamp, which uh, mm-hmm. could we could lose the, the tax incentive. Right. So we've got um, – we're actually doing a ride and drive event on Capitol Hill next week, May 4th to educate everybody about um, EVs and let them know what supportive policies and what's going on in their state for EVs. So hopefully that'll start the conversation and we'll get a little bit of support from that. Okay. Well, great. Thank you, Catherine. Thanks, Bob. This has been another edition of the Plug in America show. Thanks so much for listening. And please help us get the word out about Plug in America and EVs by pointing your friends and family to the Plug in America website at pluginamerica.org. 
There you'll find a wealth of information about EVs, our plug-in vehicle tracker that tells you what EVs are available, what's coming and when, a blog, information about EV chargers and public charging, multimedia content, promotional materials, and much more. And, of course, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. Just search for us there. If you'd like to find out more about me, my name is Bob Tregillis, and I'm on Facebook and Twitter as well. And please remember, Plug in America is a nonprofit electric vehicle advocacy group, and our work is supported by your generous donations. Please consider donating by visiting pluginamerica.org today, and we appreciate your kind support. Thanks to Anglegord, whose music was used here by permission. And until next time, remember, at Plug in America, we drive electric, and you can too. <laughs> <laughs>